Pastor Bell as well as he went home after Sunday school sick. And Christine called this morning and she is sick. So tis, tis the season that the, um, that the flu bug is going around. So keep our people in prayer. And I want to make sure that we invite and uh, welcome our new people. If you're here for the first time, I'm glad you're here. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to do our verse. We're in Philippians chapter 2, working through this series on discipleship. We're working on our attitudes, all right? So we're going to go the reference, the verse, and then the reference. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 5. All right, we're in the, ver we're in the church of Thyatira. As we look at Thyatira, everybody say Thyatira. All right, now we know how to pronounce it. We need to know what's, what's wrong with it. I want to be able to uh, bring some confession. I feel it's confession is good for the pastor's soul. So I need to confess some things that are on my mind about my childhood as I grew up. And it's mostly about my mama because my mama, she had eyes in the back of her head. Now, she would be able to call me out. Perhaps you could even dare say hold me accountable before I even thought about what I was thinking about maybe possibly doing. Has anyone else had that struggle with their mama? Okay, great. I'm the only one. Has anyone had that struggle with their wife? Okay, great. Good for you for not raising your hand. So what happens here, I see that hand. Thank you. What happens here is we say, how can these, how can moms be able to know what you're doing without you even doing it. She could be in the other room. Don't you get into that cookie jar. Well, you had just started to think about possibly reaching into that cookie jar because moms do have eyes in the back of their head. It is not a coincidence that little Tommy had thought about this because I've wondered how do moms pull this off? How are they able to see and anticipate things that are happening before their little children even happen. That is the theme of today. Jesus is seeing everything. He sees all. He doesn't miss anything. Even when he's not in the room, he is able to see. And that's, that's the key theme. It's going to be about being able to see with eyes and being able to see what is going on, the true Self. All right, so we're going to Thyatira. Let me tell you a little bit of background of the city of Thyatira because it helps us understand the historical context. They are plunged, plunged headlong into the very depths of satanic depression and oppression and belief. Completely all, they're all in to everything that is going on into, with Satan. However, there's also good things going on at the church. And so this morning we're going to walk this tightrope of making sure that we don't focus just on works, but that we focus on doctrine this morning as well. This is the longest letter to the smallest of churches. So this is the longest sermon I'm going to have on this church because this morning, but it's okay because what do we have to get home for tonight? The bills aren't in the Super Bowl, right? Okay. So what happened was there was false teachings and the doctrines of God were not accepted, but they embraced the false teachings. And the church, this is actually a picture of the church, and it fell, and it com became completely devastated and closed its doors in the second century. Now, Bible scholars, by now you should be thinking, I've heard about this city of Thyatira. Where have I heard about that? Some of you are probably thinking Acts chapter 16. Remember the lady in purple, her name was Lydia. Lydia was from the church from Thyatira. 
So how did this church come about? We really don't know. We, some scholars think, well, Lydia went back and she started a work and she had a church and then Paul went and he ministered to it, but we don't really know how the church started, but we know that a very famous lady, Lydia, was from Thyatira. So if you want to write in the margins of your Bible, Acts 16, this is where Lydia came from. They're known for the guilds or for unions, all right? So big union movement. And what happened here was if you wanted your business to prosper and succeed, you had to be part of the union. You had to be part of the guild. You had to be part of the cohort. And if you weren't part of the cohort, you wouldn't get business. So you had to maybe make some sacrifices in order to make your business happen. And then the church is about 40 years old. So it's still functioning when John wrote this. Let's make sure we know where we're at in Turkey. All right, so there's no major temples in Thyatira. Not much is known for Thyatira. It's, it's just like a little hole in the wall. But really, Thyatira's main purpose in all this was that there was a main road between Thyatira and Pergamos. And what would happen is Thyatira, they were the gatekeepers because there's a major highway, something like 95, that would go through Thyatira to Pergamos, and any army that would come through would come through Thyatira. Thyatira's job was to postpone or to stall the enemies coming in so that people could go to Pergamos and saying, get ready, the battle's coming. So their job was strictly to make sure that they stalled. All right, that was their major job. That was the thing that they were known for. All right, so we're in our series. It's the same thing if you've been following each week I have one who speaks authority, that's Jesus. Then I have, he's going to tell us what, we're doing, what they're doing right. He's going to tell them what they're doing wrong. He's going to give them a promise, and then he's going to give them a challenge. That's the same thing. It's, you go back and listen, you go back and look at your notes, it's the same thing of every week. Jesus has the authority, and he's going to speak into this. So think about your mom who was able to see with her eyes everything going on, and we're going to make that even more true with Christ because he does see all, and he's going to talk about that to the church in Thyatira. Verse 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, all right, hey, this is important. This is a word for this particular church. Write this down, angel. So he has his scroll, and he's writing this down. These things says the Son of God. Interesting. I want you to, this afternoon, before you start with your parties, I want you to go ahead and I want you to read through Revelation. And you're going to find out this fun fact. This is the only time that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of God. Why? Why is he doing that? Well, because he is not coming to bring comfort. He is not coming to tell them, you're doing a great job. Jesus says, I am the Son of God and I'm coming as judge because what you're doing it is wrong it is not according to what i have written it's not according to the standard so here comes this church and we know that with, with all these other churches i'm going to go back here all these churches are reading all of these letters so they're reading it and they're going okay that's what's going on in fire attire here comes jesus and says i'm the son of god wow hold on hold on there's something going on, and Jesus is coming as judge. He's not coming because things are going well. He's dropping the hammer within the first 20 words of his letter to this church. I'm coming, and I'm speaking these things as the Son of God. 
Think about it. You can tell when you were working or you are working and the boss comes in, has his or her cup of coffee, they sit down. If you're in school, the teacher comes in, they sit down. Hey, how you doing? You can tell versus the teacher comes in, they've got veins popping out, their face is red, they're upset. It's the same thing happening here with Christ. He's coming because he is not happy with what is being said. So he says, here comes these things. Write these things down, says the Son of God. I'm coming to you with judgment. I'm coming to you with, with harshness. Who has eyes like the flaming fire. Jesus is coming and he sees all. As much fun as we want to think about mom having eyes in the back of her head, Jesus sees everything. He sees it all. He sees the way we are in church. He sees the way we are when we're not in church. He sees the way we are with our friends. He sees how we are when it's just us, quote, alone. And so he says, here comes the Son of God in judgment who has eyes that I can see. Jesus can see everything. He sees it all, and his feet are like brass. Now, I had to look that up because I didn't quite understand. So what it means is he is holy, he is pure, he shows holiness, and he's coming to trample out impurity and sin. Now, it's interesting, I tripped over some toys that were left and some things that were left in the living room because the lights were out and I was trying to walk through and I was too lazy. So ultimately, it's my fault, you hear me? So don't blame anybody else in my house. I was too lazy to turn the light switch on, so I thought I could get from point A to point B because I did not see the things in the middle of the floor. And I was not able to tramp out because I stepped on something that went ouch into my foot. See, what Jesus is doing, he's looking, he's coming as judge, he's seeing everything, and then his feet are like brass, and he's going to come, and he's going to stamp out or stomp out the sin, the sin that he sees with his eyes that he can see everything. And Jesus never has a misstep. He can see right through it all. All right, let's keep going. So Jesus is seeing all, but he's also, he wants to see the good. Remember, he's going to be the one in authority, and then he's going to tell us what is good, and then he's going to tell us what is bad, and we're going to work through the sequence. Again, the same flow of thought. So Jesus sees the good, and he's going to tell them, this is what is good. I know your works. Jesus says, with my eyes that are full of fire, I see what you're doing well. You are doing things well. You're not just going through the motions. You are doing things well. I, I see that. I see that you are full of love. Okay, fun fact, the first church to be praised for their love. So this church is full of love. Interesting, go back to Ephesus. What was Ephesus' fault? They could not, they did not have love. They lost their first love. So Thyatira, hey, you're doing well. You love each other. That's good. I see your service. They are going and they are working out in the community. They, are, they have accepted what God has done. And then they are working and showing others that service. This is a love language, all right? Some of you, your gift of love language is service. I can sit here and write poetry to you and that won't mean anything. But if I would come shovel your snow or clean off your car, that would minister to you so well. So this church, they are full of love. And they are doing good works, not for salvation, but because of what God has done to them. And then also they have faith and patience. They are dependable, they are reliable, and they are consistent. They just keep going. Sounds like a good church, right? 
I would say yes. I'm not baiting you and hooking you, so don't go ahead, talk back. It's okay. This is a good church. They're doing good things. Look at this, even more. He tells them, and for your works, the last are more important or, more, or better than the first. They're growing. The church is growing in their love. They're growing in their service. They're growing in your faith, and they're growing in their patience. They're growing. Things are going well in this church as far as the eye can see. So he says, you're growing. Things are going better than you're, you're growing. Things are on the right track. This is good. This is good. But you know that the, you know that the hammer is going to fall. And see, what happens here is we get so, we as a church, not necessarily our church, but the big church, we get so wrapped up in the things that we do that we forget that we need to focus on who we are. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. That's good that you're busy. But don't get so busy you forget about the thing that's most important. And that's what Jesus is going to say to him, to the church, because he's going to talk about the bad. Because he doesn't just see all. He sees the good, and he also sees the bad. And what happens sometimes, friends, is I see good things, and I like to talk about the good things, but I don't always like to talk about the bad things. I don't really like to give correction, because that might make you mad. It might make me mad. It might make, me it, make it, might make it feel awkward. But when push comes to shove, Jesus is going to speak truth not only in good times, but in times that things need to be corrected. All right, a lot going on in this verse, all right? We're going to camp here for a while. All right, so nevertheless, but this is what I have against you. I have these few things against you, <clears throat> that you allowed that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Stop. All right, we're going to cover that verse. And then we're going to go with the next section. We're going to go with the next section, okay? What is going on here? This church, remember, they're full of love. They're full of service. They're full of faithfulness and dependability. But this is what they have going wrong. All right, so whew, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not going to have you turn there. 1 Kings chapter 16 through 21. We met this woman named Jezebel. We met her as she opposed Elijah on Mount Carmel. She was a bad woman. She was the one that persecuted the servants of God. She was responsible for idolatry in Israel. Is this really Jezebel? No. All right, so don't sit here and think that Jezebel has come back in some kind of resurrected body. This is a woman who is teaching, and she's teaching false things. Jesus says, I want you to go back to the Old Testament and think about Jezebel because this church knew what was going on in the Old Testament. So what he does, first of all, is he says, this is what I have against you. There's this woman there. Her name is Jezebel. All right, so that's going to take a person and go, okay, Jezebel, bad woman in the Old Testament. She led Israel into idolatry. She taught wrong things. Jesus labels her. That's a bad teacher. And he tells us what she does. She who calls herself a prophetess. Well, what's a prophetess? That's just a female prophet. And so what happened was this woman took a place of prominence in the church, and she said, this is what God has told me. This is a word that I have from the Lord that God has told me what to do. She's setting herself up as a mouthpiece of God. 
Now, in the Old Testament, before we have the Bible that you have sitting on your lap or on your phone, what would happen is God would speak through certain people, and he would give them a word. This woman has set herself up in, in Thyatira and says, I have a word from the Lord. Now, the word that she's teaching, that violates written scripture. So what do we do? We take her out and we kick her to the curb. Let's apply that to today. You have access to all kinds of teachers. You can, you can get the same message preached by any person if you would go into Google Play or into your favorite podcasting app or even go to YouTube and type in Revelation chapter uh, 2 and you're going to have all kinds of preachers that are going to preach this. We have unfiltered access to more people teaching God's word than ever before. However, what happens is that anytime someone violates the written word of God, we need to take them and throw them out. Anytime, anytime somebody says something that is contradictory to this document, to this book that we call the Bible, we need to make sure that they hit the road especially don't have them in a position of leadership. This woman has stepped up into a leadership of position, says, I have a word from the Lord. Now, back then, they are just beginning to have God's word in written form. But what would happen is the apostles have gone through, Paul has gone through all these churches, and he said, hey, if someone teaches a gospel that is contrary to what I said, let him be accursed. Follow my words because Paul says, I have followed Christ. That's still true today. If you have somebody that you listen to that violates God's word, don't listen to them. They're going to take you down a wrong path. So, there's a woman named Jezebel. She's in a teaching position. She calls herself a prophetess. She has taught and seduced my servants to commit sexual immorality and things sacrificed to idols. She's teaching directly against the word of God. And what she's saying is, it's okay. You go ahead. You, you do what you want to do. You go ahead and teach what you want to teach. All right, here's some possible false teachings. Don't worry about your body. You go ahead and do what you want to do. God cares more about your soul. Go and sin. It's okay. Go and sin because then you could just go ask for forgiveness. Well, I take you to Romans 6.1. Should we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. So she's also teaching that it's okay that you can have sexual immorality. It's okay you can eat things to sacrifice to idols. It's okay. God will forgive you for that. God's a God of grace. Is God a God of grace? Yes. Is God a God of standards? Yes. But she's saying it's okay. We don't want to talk about the judgment of God or the, or the standards of God. God is love. That'll fill, a, that'll fill a church. So she's only teaching half of it. But what's even worse is that she's saying, this is a word from the Lord. And what happens is I, I like to hear things that make me feel better. I, just in a moment of real vulnerability, I almost didn't preach this message. Because I don't like what it says. I don't. But then I sat there and go, you know what? This is the benefits and the drawbacks of preaching exegetically through God's word. I can't, I can, I can jump over it, but then someone's going to say, hey, you missed Thyatira. Why? Um, because Jesus told me to? No. 
I don't always like to hear what I have to say. But God deals with me Monday through Friday. And sometimes God deals with you on a Sunday morning. So what happens here, this woman's teaching people directly against God's word. I wonder what's going to happen to her in James chapter 3, verse 1. You know what James 3, 1 says? Not all of you should be teachers, my brothers, because you're going to be held at a higher account. And what's going to happen is we sometimes make jokes about this. I don't want to be around her when God strikes her with lightning bolt just in case it's a big one. No, but she has led God's people astray. And if you're in a teaching position, if you're in a position of influence, if you're in a position of leadership, God's going to hold you to a higher standard. Whether it's vacation Bible school, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's junior church, whether it's uh, adult Sunday school, whether it's the pulpit. Who, let's pause. Who would like to volunteer for VBS now? No, but really, think about it. This is not something you just stand up and do and go, hey, I, wanna, I want the mic. I want people to look at me. You're going to be held at a higher account. And so this woman, she's teaching people the wrong things that violate the written word of God. All right, let's keep going. So Jesus says in verse 21, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Pause right there. Look at this. I see the grace of God. Oh, I could camp on this all day. Look at what Jesus is doing. This woman, she is teaching wrong doctrine to, the wrong, to people, saying it's a word from the Lord, and Jesus did not just strike her dead. What did he do? He gave her time to repent. And let us not forget that God is the God of grace. But at some point, you're going to cross the line and God is going to hold you accountable. And so look at this. This isn't, I, I studied this. This is not just a, whoops. This is a, here's the line, here's the line. I'm going to go way over here. She knew what she was doing, and yet God continued to give her time to repent. And yet how many of us, one person's hurt me one time, we kick them to the curb and we're done. That really challenged me. God gave her time to repent of her sexual morality, and she did not repent. How many times? I don't know. But it was more than once. Verse 22. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. What does that mean? Well, commentators went and had a couple of different theories. I'm going to go with the one I go with. Uh, Randy said it again this morning. I'm going to start quoting him on don't build a church on this. Uh, don't build a church on this. But it's interesting. Most commentators think that she died of, a, of an STD. Because what? Because her sin was sexual immorality. So he's going to inflict her or he's going to allow the natural causes of her consequence to go in and she's going to lay in a sickbed and she's going to die of something horrific that has to deal with her sin of sexual immorality. Interesting. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, they're going to have a great distress within their time because of the decisions that they have made. But, however, God has given them time to repent. So, uh, they're going to be in great tribulation. Look at this, verse 23b, unless they repent of their deeds. So God has said, this is a standard. You've missed the standard. I'm going to give you time to repent of the standard that you've missed, and then I will not give you judgment. I will only judge you if you continue to say, no, I don't want to follow your ways, God. No, I don't want to follow after you. 
It's the same thing with us. When we go out and we share our faith, when we talk about God, I can't follow God who would, who would send people to hell. That's not what I see here. God desires that all people would come to a saving knowledge of him. That doesn't mean all people will. I don't believe in a universal salvation. But God does not create us so that he can go, let me smolter him or her and send them to hell. God desires that we all come to a saving faith. But he's not going to push you somewhere that you don't want to go. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink. And so what he says here is, this is what's going to happen. We do this, listen, we do this in parenting. And if you're not a parent, you will be a parent. So write this down. This is good stuff. Tell your kids, this is a standard. If you don't meet the standard, this is going to be the punishment. However, within the punishment, you can always stop and repent and not be punished. Go to bed. If you do not go to bed, there will be the board of education to the seat of knowledge. And then now we'll go us to bed. But if you go to bed this final time, you will not have the pain and affliction. Now go to bed. Because Jesus loves you, and I'm trying to. Now go. Now, look at it. Look at it. Don't miss it. Don't miss this. Jesus says you've missed the standard. You are teaching people the wrong things. You're following in the wrong things. You are not meeting the standard. However, repent, and you will not face the punishment or consequences for what you've done. The wrath of God and the grace of God, all within a verse. Verse 23, I will kill her children, not her biological children. These are her, her followers, the followers of Jezebel, this woman who is going up and saying, go ahead and do whatever you want to do, feeds back into this verse right here. He's going to give them time to repent if they do. I will kill her children or her followers. I like that translation better. Or her, it's the idea of her offspring, those are her mother, her, she's mothering, with death. And all the churches, so what's the result? All the churches will know or shall know that I am the one who searches the mind and the hearts. Why? Because the previous verse said Jesus sees with eyes of fire. And on the surface, this church is looking great. Oh, they're doing good works. What does God's word say? Look at the previous verse. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. Your works are getting better. You're maturing and you're growing. However, he says here, look at this. Hey, once you get below the surface, things aren't looking as well as they should. And I'm going to come and I'm going to take care of it. Not because God is a God of wrath, but because God is a God of standards. And God's in it to bring glory to his name. And all the churches are going to know. Look at this. All the churches will know that I am the one who searches the mind and hearts. Jesus saw that. And he is not pleased with this church. But then he also says it's not too late to repent. When is it too late to repent? When you're dead. When you've passed away. So if you're here this morning and you are just, you're just stubborn. And I say that in love. Because I can be stubborn too. If you're here and you're stubborn, it's not too late to repent. This woman, step back, step back with me. I'm going to get off this verse, I promise. 
This woman was teaching a false doctrine and leading a group of people astray, contrary to God's written word. And yet God says, if you would repent, I would forgive you. What sin do you have that you think God cannot forgive? I see this one as a big one, that God is willing to forgive. But you have to do your part, and you have to repent. God's done his part. Are you willing to do yours? Let's keep going, all right? So verse 25 and 26. He's going to bring an encouragement. Now, it's always good to, to sandwich these, all right? There's something good. There's something bad. You want to go something good. You want to put it in there, all right? It's kind of like um, you have the appetizer is good. The main course isn't that great, but dessert is awesome, all right? So you want to make sure you go ahead and you're going to have an encouragement. This is the encouragement Jesus gives him in verses 24 and 25. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, all right? So hold on. There is a remnant, there is a group of people that are not following this woman that we've named Jezebel. So there is a, a, a remnant that is not going to be punished, all right? So Jesus comes, he's not going to punish everyone, as, as teachers do in public school when I was growing up. You know, if, if someone was misbehaving, everybody lost recess, right? If you went to public school, everybody lost recess. I'm not bitter, I'm better. Actually, no, I'm still bitter because I liked recess. But some knucklehead didn't do his homework or wouldn't stop spitting spitballs, and I had to stay inside, and that made me mad. Jesus is saying, don't you worry. Not everyone is being punished. Now to the rest in Thyatira. So there's a remnant. As many as do not have this doctrine. So those that do not follow the teachings of Jezebel. So that, we've got to stop here. We've got to stop and ask ourselves, who am I following? Am I following a person in a pulpit? Or am I following the Son of God? Who am I following? Who am I following? Right? Because this church, I see, a, I see a, a, a chasm based upon who's following what. As many of you do not have this doctrine, not following the teachings of Jezebel, who have not known the depths of Satan, you do not know what you, you don't have because you're not following her. You have not understood, you have not followed in the depths of false teachings. As they say, I will put on you no other burden. What does this mean? What does this mean? Jesus is saying that judgment is going to come swiftly. But he's not going to continue to put more things and tell him to do and what not to do. Jesus is telling him, follow my word. Follow my teachings. Randy said it so well this morning in Sunday school. My word's not his. We know God's word. We need to obey God's word. He says here, I'm not going to put on you any other restrictions, no other burdens. You know what you have to do. H have you got it? I, I, would, I would dare say, if we would stop the service, I, I don't think you've heard anything new this morning. But hopefully you've been challenged by going, I need to practice what I already know. I need to practice this. But hold fast. This idea, remember I'm still, I read this and, and it brought a smile to my face. <clears throat> I'm holding fast, all right? Holly's father's taking me around in the back of the speedboat trying to dump me in that inner tube and I got a hold of that inner tube. I'm holding fast, all right? It's been a couple days since I've done that. <clears throat> hold fast. You hold on. What am I holding on to? 
Am I holding on to the person beside me on my left and my right? No, I'm holding on to the word of God. I'm holding on to the doctrine that I have been taught, to the doctrine that I know. Hold fast. You hold on to this. Just imagine the chaos in that church. Just imagine what would happen if I would get up and start teaching and preaching a doctrine that is against the word of God. What would that do to this church? What would that do if Randy stood up and started teaching, or Mark, or Joe, or John? What would that do to this church? Just throw us into chaos, wouldn't it? At least emotionally. Are you with me? And so Jesus is saying, I'm not going to put anything else on you. You know what you need to do. But you hold on fast what you have until I come. Now, this is not coming. We've, we've seen this. Jesus says, hey, get your act together. I'm going to come. And it's not a coming of the second coming. It's a coming in judgment. This one to this church, he says, you hold on fast because when I come, this is his second coming. And it's going to tie in right nice to the next promise. Jesus is going to give a promise in verses 26 through 29. You hold fast. Keep that thought in your mind. Hold fast. Because when I come, and he who overcomes, if you are willing to hold on fast, as you're whipping around that curve, you're holding on. You can sit there and laugh and go, ha I'm stronger than you are. And you can sit here and you can hold fast. Why? Because you are overcoming, because you're holding on to the word of God. And keeps my works until the end. To him, I will give him power over the nations. What does this mean? This means that there are rewards that are coming. The one who fights and wins the battle here on earth, those who stand strong, they are going to be given an extra reward. In the millennial kingdom, they're going to be given power. They're going to be given a position of leadership. Why? Because he will rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to to pieces like the potter's vessel. As I have also received power from my father. Why? Because they did not fall astray to false teaching. They held fast to the word of God. And it's not always easy to follow this. Right? Right? This is not easy. If it was easy, then everyone would do it. But Jesus says, if you hold fast onto this, through the good times and through the bad, you're going to be given power over the nations because you held fast in times of difficulty. Jesus is going to, quote, promote you. And I will give him the morning star. He, which is another way of saying eternal life. He who has an ear. Oh, wait a second. We've seen this before. He who has an ear. To the whole church at Thyatira. Someone opened up the scroll and they read it. To the church at Thyatira, writes the Son of God, who has eyes like blazing fire and feet like bronze. Hey, you got an ear? Come on, church. Listen, this is for us. And what's our, what's our theme? Oh, it's, I'm so glad that this person is here. I'm so glad that John Doe is here to hear this because I know he needs to hear this. But you know what? You have an ear. You and I need to be challenged by this. Let him who hears what the Spirit says to the churches. There's a message to the individual. There's a message to the group of people that we call the church. Three questions to make this happen, not only for our church individually. Have I been tolerating sin in my life? Have I been tolerating sin in my life? It is so easy to give myself a pass because I'm a sinner saved by grace. 
But yet, if I'm really being honest this morning, there are things going on in my life that I know are wrong. And enough is enough. Is enough enough this morning? Is it enough to say, I'm done with this sin. I'm ready to take the next step and get it out. Jesus is not happy with his church. Do you have sin in your life? That the Spirit's just been poking you for a while? You're done with it? Is the morning, is this morning the morning you say, I'm done with this, it's time to get it out? Second question. Am I living in obedience to God's word? That's a good question for you. I can tell you what I see, but you know something that God sees everything. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And I can have you fold and you can have me fold because I look good and you look good. But deep down, Jesus is coming and he's seeing with eyes that are ablaze. That only he can see. And only you can see. And this question, I would dare say, let me push a little bit. You really can't be living in obedience to God's word if you're living with sin in your life. And if you're living with sin in your life, you really don't want to live in obedience to God's word because it's going to make you feel convicted. Two go together. I see the two go together. And what happens is if I have sin, I have a hard time living in obedience because I don't want to spend time with God because I know that I'm not living the right way. If I'm mad at you or you're mad at me or think about a relationship, husband, wife, best friend, it doesn't matter. If you two are having words with one another and you're not in a good spot, are you going to want to do things to make them happy? Probably not. Same thing goes with your relationship with God. Am I living in obedience? Are you living in obedience to what God says? Third and final one is, am I living in victory? To he who overcomes. To he who overcomes. Are you holding fast to God's word? Are you living in victory? I could almost say, are you living in light of eternity? But eternity seems so far. Yeah, it does, but you know what? It's so short. We're here for 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But eternity, that's just a blink of an eye. Boom, that was your life. Are you living in victory? Are you living in overcoming? To he who overcomes. You can live. See how this works this morning? You can live in victory when you live in obedience to God's word. And if you're living in obedience to God's word, you're not going to be tolerating sin in your life. You're going to be confessing that. You see how they build on one another this morning? Let's pray. Let's pray. Is there anybody I could pray for this morning? You know I love to pray for you as your pastor. And I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know that this is a morning that we could be honest with one another. Is there anybody here this morning I would say, Tom, would you pray for me? I've been tolerating sin in my life and enough is enough. I need to get it out. This, morning's the, this morning is the morning. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody here this morning? I see that. One hand. Thank you. Two hands. Three hands. Anybody else? Is there anybody here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me? That uh, I would begin to live in obedience to God's word. I know it. I know it. I know it. I just need to live in obedience to it. Would you pray for me that I can live in obedience to God's word? I see that. One hand. Two hands. Three. Four. Great. Thank you for your willingness to raise your hand. Is there anyone here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me? Because right now I don't feel like I'm living in victory. I feel like I'm living in defeat. Would you pray for me that I could have a victorious outlook because of my relationship with Christ? Anybody here this morning? One hand. Thank you, too. Appreciate that. Lord, we're so thankful for this church. It's a good church. 
they're doing things right. They're big in their love. They're big in their service. They are diligent. They're faithful. They're patient. But yet, we also realize and see that they, they have false beliefs. And Lord, it can happen so quickly. It can happen so innocently. And we see the effects of it. We see this morning, I, I see it so clearly that you are a God of standards, but yet you're also a God of grace. And I don't want to preach just judgment of God, and I don't want to preach just the grace of God. I want to preach them both. So Lord, as we look at this, we can become encouraged because we have a standard. We know we can't meet that standard, but you have called us to repentance, and you are willing to forgive us. Lord, I pray for those that have raised their hand. That says, I have sin in my life, Lord. I'm tired of tolerating it. It needs to go. Lord, I pray that you might give them a week where they are strong. Lord, help them as they have made this commitment, they have made this acknowledgement to say, I need to get this sin out. This is even a harder week for them because the devil's got a bigger target for them. So help them that they would stay diligent in your word, that they would stay reading your word, they would spend time in your word. God, that they would live in obedience to your word. Lord, we know what we're supposed to do, and yet so often we don't do it. Help us to live in obedience to your word. And I pray, God, that you would help those that want to live in victory. Lord, help them to know and realize that faith is a victory. Faith is a victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. I pray, God, that you might help us to live in victory and not defeat, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. So God, I pray that we would leave here fighting and knowing that victory is won, but you would give us the strength to be able to do that. We thank you for this church in Thyatira, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear as individuals and as a church. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.